conversation around mental health is a conversation that frankly feels awkward and a lot of people just don't want to have. It's a conversation that's long overdue and it's a conversation that Never Give Up Radio has not been shy from having over the last year. On January 16th, head down to Yorktown Hall at Robert Morris University to be a guest of their second annual panel discussion that will feature several former NHL players and other mental health professionals to create a better conversation around mental health. The following day, the Robert Morris women's ice hockey team will take on Syracuse University in their second annual mental health awareness game featuring unique custom uniforms to again create a better conversation around mental health. Be sure to join us on January 16th and 17th for this amazing event that will help you not be silent and will help you create a better conversation around mental health. Never Give Up Radio is a proud sponsor of this event. Welcome back, hockey fans, and welcome to the PhD Podcast. My name is Mitch. I will be taking you throughout the weekend that was in Berg Hockey. Of course, we had our tournaments a couple weeks ago, and you caught the last podcast. So we don't have too much going on from the high school side, so we're just going to touch up on what happened on Monday night before we get moving on. First and foremost, you can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. You can find us on Facebook Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff at PGH Hockey Digest. You can find us online at BergHockey.com. You already found our SoundCloud if you're listening to us right now. We're going to start right now. We're going to talk a little bit about that Monday night action. We don't have too much going on, but I do have something that I want to uh, dis- play for you guys and see how you guys feel about it. Back and behind. Nice pass out to Wimmer. Wimmer, shot on. Nice little save there. Kept on. Score! Rebound there. And it'll be Daniel Arthurs with the goal there. His fourth of the season for Morgantown. Yeah, Morgantown's got a nice little jump in this game. They, maybe a team that took the uh, Christmas break and used the most of it to get refreshed and re-energized. And, you know, they've come out on both ends. This was myself and Dave Fryer on the call. Morgantown and the Avonworth Antelopes playing on Monday night at Barrel Ice Complex in our first Double header of the second half of Berg Hockey Live. Morgantown coming up 5 1 victors. Big game. We have that available on demand on our Facebook page at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest or on berghockey.com. If you don't have Facebook, we found out a lot of people do not have Facebook. I to find a way to maneuver to have you guys be able to listen and watch the games on any surface. So we're working on different things right now. We don't have the outliers like everybody else does. We don't have the big technology and the big ability to just have bandwidth streaming everywhere. So we're going to work and to see what we can do with that. But anyway, back to the hockey. And big game, Morgantown, Avonworth. Great game. Uh, Morgantown, I didn't expect them to come out with a jump that they had, but they just jumped all over Avonworth, and it didn't seem like a team that was 7-1-1 and on the season. It just was really... Uh, of all Morgantown in that contest. It like, doesn't seem like Avonworth really got too much of an opportunity to jump back into it. And, you know, there's not much to say about that. Um, oh, Nija played out of his mind. That is a freshman netminder from Morgantown. Watch out the next couple seasons because the Mohawks have a backstop that played an amazing game. Congratulations to Nija there. Beautiful job there, sir. Then we had a second part of our doubleheader. Back to the point and poked ahead. Butcher, shorthanded breakaway, score! It's 2-2! Into the slot in the Seneca Valley end. 
Andrew Davis. Davis working against Shiri, who's got to be exhausted at this point. Frazier pulls it around him. Frazier scores! Seneca Valley wins it 3-2, and it's Frazier burying the winner. Dylan Frazier, the senior, swarmed by his teammates on the near side. The Raiders pick up the extra point, and they pick up the win in a thriller at Barrel. That's one of those you had to be there to believe, and uh, you definitely... We were there that night, and that is available on demand at any time on our Facebook page. Um, that was the angelic voice of Matt Geica and myself. If you, if I chimed in at any point there, I don't think I did. I think I'll cut out the oh baby, oh baby, oh baby, oh baby after the first goal. And I allowed Matt Geica to tell the story of how that game played out for the most part. But Berg Hockey Live, second game of our doubleheader, was a triple-A thriller. You can find that on our Facebook page. Um, and of course, the side story of the after, of the evening. We only had one day of league play, so I can't give you too much detail. But the return of Tyler Stewart for Burl, and it was a return in dramatic fashion as the senior put up six goals for the Burl Bucks in an eleven to eight loss to the Carrot Cougars. And there's nothing you could say, Burl. Has been beat up all season. It's been a rough year. They'll admit it. They know it's going to be a rough time for them. But here's the detail with the return of Christian. I'm sorry, with the return of Tyler Stewart. That was. It is a regular season only return. He will not have enough games to play in the postseason. So Burrell's going to have to do their damage in the regular season before he's ineligible to play. So it's going to be a tough one to play out. But it's good to see that Burrell. Is, being, is able to get that offensive support. I mean, they still have Gio Palumbo. They have Sopko. They have a lot of really good talent in that team. It's just a really tough year for them this year. And they're hanging on in the playoff race, but this is going to help them out down the stretch. And to put 11, put eight goals up on a tough Carrick team like that is means everything to everybody. You look at that and you think, wow, Carrick had given up the least amount of goals on the season. And that was a tough one. But good to see Burrow get back into it and have a challenging game and be able to give them the ability to show that they can still do it at the high school level, at the varsity level in Class B slash D2, where they were the finalist runner-up last year and runner-up to the national championship. With a lot of these same players, of course, uh, goaltending graduated, a couple defensemen graduated, but it's tough to bring back this team. But they're getting an opportunity there. That was another big detail to that. We, but as we look around the remaining scores out there, uh, Cannon and McMillan defeating Butler in overtime 5-4. to four. North Allegheny over Mount Lebanon 5-1. And Seneca Valley and Upper St. Clair, you've already heard from us about how that game played out. So that was your AAA scores. In AA, we had Meadville defeating South Fayette in regulation 5-3 sorry, four, three at the Meadville Rec Area Recreational Complex. Franklin Regional over Plum 5-4 in overtime at Pittsburgh Ice Arena. Penn Trafford 5-2 over Hampton at Frozen Pond. And the big one of the week, Shaler 4-3 over Quaker Valley in overtime. And it looks like that game was won by Dom Sarah at 3:29 of the overtime period with an assist to skater turned, sorry, backup goaltender turned skater. Anthony Heffron on that one. Congratulations to the Shaler Titans for knocking off Quaker Valley in the first start, getting a good start there after a rough first half 
for the Titans, and that was a big one for the for the team. Let's see what we've got going on in single A. Hold on. There we go. Back to where I need to be to get to the, the scores. In single A, we had a couple contests this week. Let's have them load up here. All right. Beaver dropping a game to Greensburg-Salem at Kirk-Nevin Arena, 6-1. to one. Kiskey, 2-1. to one. Winners over North Hills in a shootout. Nor went over Chartiers Valley, 4-3 to three at Mount Lebanon Ice. In overtime, Fox Chapel, 7, Wissokley Academy, 3 at the Island. North Catholic falls to Westmont Hilltop in overtime. However, gets that very important part, point. And North Catholic has clinched the Northwest of single A for this season. Congratulations to the Trojans. At Center Ice Arena, they defeated Westmont Hilltop. And then South Park defeating Wheeling Park 4-2 to two at West Banco Arena in Class B. We had a couple contests. And it was, let's make sure we get this right. Monday night, of course, you saw the 5-1 victory for Morgantown over the Avonworth Antelope. So that was 5-1, Elizabeth Ford and Carrick. Carrick defeating Elizabeth Ford 8-1. Oh, wow, we're on the wrong month here. I do make mistakes from time to time, but not that bad. We'll go back and we'll look again. I feel bad for that one. No, Carrick did not. They defeated Elizabeth Forward a little big last uh, year. So Morgantown over Av Avonworth, 5-1. Burrell falling to Carrick, 10-8. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Wilmington defeating Connellsville, 4-2. On Tuesday, we only had one game played, and it was Nishanik defeating Trinity, 6-3 at Princescape Arena. And we're going to move into our next segment on it. It's going to be Matt Mamros coming in. We're going to talk around the region with Matt Mamros. Uh, if you don't know, Matt Mamros, uh, regular contributor to this show. He enjoys everything. And we had a little bit of fun with this one. So sit back, relax. We're going to talk for about 45 minutes here. We'll see you in a little bit on the PhD Podcast. All right, joining us as he normally does around this time, it is Matt Mamros with our Around the Region coverage. Big weekend, Matt. How how would you say you at this point? Well, uh, it was an exciting weekend. That's absolutely for sure. Not nothing was lacking excitement this weekend, but it was it was a wild one. All right, so we're talking Battle of at the Berg. I, I still can't get over that that title. Uh, I didn't really buy it when I saw it, and it's still really weird. It's still, but you know what? I think it builds the whole thing. It was just the whole weekend was surreal to me. If you think about it, women's hockey in Pittsburgh, you're you're limited to basically you know the NWHL making a trip every once in a while. Robert Morris on the island, and then the girls' hockey that's growing in the area. Don't get me wrong, and there's probably a couple things going on. And I've been talking about in the high school side, but uh, when we discuss a little bit about the uh, you know battle at the Berg. You got a number one, a number three, Northeastern. I'm sorry, in Colgate, coming into play with Robert Morris, and I don't think you saw a a lopsided game in the bunch. No, not a, not a single one of them was anywhere near lopsided, and you got uh, multiple national team members playing in this event over the weekend, and I thought it was just awesome to grow the game. Plus, you had a uh, Ten elite women playing, 
I believe that was the U18? No, the U19 Rutgers. girls were playing right before it on Saturday, and I yeah, was able to cover that game. I watched that, that game. game. I was not entirely sure um, which team that was, but actually Veshi was their Army alum. So that Veshi is, the, is the assistant coach for the U19s. She is the uh, she's with Chris Stern, Sluggo, as we like to call him. Uh, they're the leaders of that. And, then, of course, you know about everybody down the uh, – down the stretch, you know, uh, Kirsten Welsh, the U10s, and, you know, working with the programs and bringing in a lot of uh, former alums. And we'll talk about that in a second, but we'll be hard-pressed and remiss to mention the comeback this year, this week was, of course, Penn's elite former coach and both members of the Robert Morris women's squad, uh, Kobina and Chelsea Walkland, coming back to town this weekend. Um, was yeah, so. great, and that was awesome to see both of them. Yes, it was. All right. So back to the battle up at the Berg. Um, what was your immediate takeaway from it? What, what, how did you feel about how everything played out this weekend? I thought the event was super well run, and the, the competition legitimately could not have been better. Um, I was, from the, from the very first game, my jaw was on the floor because Holgate played, who I thought was the best team in the tournament, probably should have won the tournament, Northeastern. Yep. To, to statistically a one-to-one tie. But, uh, of course, that game going into the overtime, they played the overtime and then went right into the shootout. And that shootout was something fun to watch. Um, the, the player that I thought stood out to me the most, it was probably the best player in the entire tournament, was Skylar Fontaine on Northeastern, the defenseman. Yes. Uh, reminds me a lot of Emily Curlett, but not as tough. Right. And we'll touch on that in a little bit here. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, – <laughs> you think about it and the the amount of talent that was in Pittsburgh at the collegiate level this weekend was awesome to watch. The crowd in that first game, Colgate-Northeastern, was insane. That first Saturday – that Saturday crowd was intense. Yeah, that, that blew me away. That was – I didn't expect to see that many people there, but you just showed <laughs> off and there they are. I, I remember and it was, I remember talking to Andrew Wisniewski right before the game started, and he's like, what do you think the crowd's going to be like today? I, I don't know, you know, and it's all of a sudden we look up and, you know, you look down at face-off and, oh, my, was it packed in that joint. And it, it wasn't even – I guess they didn't announce it as a sellout, but it was one of those crowds where it felt like it was a sellout crowd. People were coming in and around the first period for the second game and couldn't find seats. And it was an interesting way, you know, just to watch, you know, just how many people they got into that rink and be able to do what they did. And it, it worked hats off to the Penguins organization, to the Pens elite, to all of them. And, they they were out in droves. Like everybody was excited. Everybody got int- was intense, interested in that game. And so we're talking first game, Northeastern Colgate. You said that was a tie. Uh, went into a shootout. So we had an auto- it's a tie on the books for whenever it comes down to rankings and standings purposes. But for the movement in the uh, in the actual tournament, you had to go to a shootout and. You couldn't think any better than that. <laughs> that was an awesome game there to play. Uh, of course, Northeastern came out on top. Uh, Colgate, bad luck loser on that one. But they, of course, yeah, was... I don't, I don't think that uh, Colgate actually even scored in the shootout. I think it was just Northeastern that put two up, and mm-hmm. 
uh, Aaron Frankel on the back end, the goalie that Team USA is rolling with in the rivalry series. She she was probably um, my favorite goalie to watch that weekend just because you don't get to see those kind of teams very often because Hockey East just does not schedule a lot of out-of-conference games. So they don't have a lot that, of time to play out-of-conference games. No, because their conference is, what, 12 teams? Yeah, it's a large conference, so they, they don't have a lot of uh, time to actually play out-of-conference. Well, we were lucky to have them, and uh, that was that was something else to watch for sure. That that Colgate-Northeastern game is definitely a classic. So, probably one of the best games ever played that game. Okay, sure. then we move along, second game of the night. Robert Morris and number one Wisconsin. That, that was a barn burner, wasn't it? Now, could you imagine, you know, you, you, earlier this season, you look at your schedule and you say, you've got Minnesota, you've got Clarkson, you've got Colgate, you've got Cornell, and now, well, no, you had Colgate now, but you have Wisconsin, number one in the nation. And I thought, other than those two games against Minnesota that they could have walked out with a victory on but ended up with a couple ties – that this was the game that this team put up its effort. This showed its medal. This is the team that, you know, and the three goals that Kirk gave up, I believe it was on 42 or 52 shots, were all contestable. It was not even like, yeah, you you can't even think about it. They were all contested. Like, you had an opportunity to say she had an option. She really didn't have a chance on those goals. And the way she played this weekend, we're talking goaltending this weekend, if we're going to talk anything. Amongst all yeah, four oh, teams, that was uh, that was the highlight of the weekend because yeah. we, you, you thought going into this weekend you had a potential for a bunch of games to possibly end lopsided, <laughs> and not a single one of them was. Okay, so we move along to that three-one loss on Friday. They tell them took them to one the one-one at the end of two, three-one. Of course, you know just, Wisconsin just put the pressure on and adjusted and. You know, and like I said, just the odd player breaks and all the player the breaks that they had just built up at one point, and it was a great move and then a tip for the last two goals. So you go into that. Of yeah. course, the only goal by Emily Curlett, and uh, hold, keep that in mind in a second. We'll go back and we'll talk about that in one second. But we'll go to gate. We'll go to day number two now. Consolation game. You called it the Chelsea Cup, or was that Wiz that called it the Chelsea Cup? Somebody referred to it I as the Chelsea Cup. But we uh, we get that matchup. You know, what's it? Have her on the opposite bench, and you know, with Logan and them on the on the Robert Morris bench still, and uh, friendships and everything that's involved in that. And the hockey you got just built up the same way in that game. Now we were talking about goaltending up until now. Six five final. Before we talk about how it ended, how we got there. Yeah, what, 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 now that's an actual barn burner right there. Yes. How we got there was insane. Robert Morris goes up two nothing, then down three two, then up five four. And they were up two two nothing on I think it was three shots. It might have been four or five. Yeah. I think it was three shots. They were up two nothing. And you look at these two teams and you know how nicely matched they were, and this was a classic game. And I'm not like I said, we're not even going towards the final yet. But these team, the players that needed to step up that night, stepped up in that afternoon and played that game very well. And we, of course, look back on that first game against Wisconsin and 
one player in particular was everybody was watching was Kylie Hanslick. And she's the transfer from Wisconsin who didn't get an opportunity to play in that first game. I actually asked um, the Logan, not Logan, I'm sorry. Um, I actually asked Logan, I think, if she played a shift, and he said yes. One shift in that first game. So, yeah, second she game. Did because they, they threw her out there randomly. Because I remember distinctly seeing her. She saw one shift, and it was an offensive zone shift, where she was out there with Lexi and Jay. And right. it was all about 35 seconds, but she did get a chance to play that first game. Right. And it was, okay, so she got that one shift. But then you think, okay, how are you going to play? Now you're in a consolation game. Like, pressure's a little bit off, but you still want to see what you got out of a player after a while. Was oh, getting absolutely. shift after shift after shift. She was getting regular top six minutes in this game. They put her on the set. What is on the sheet is the second line in this one. And she got her regular minutes there. And she showed signs and flashes of what can happen, what can you do, you know, what you're supposed to do. Her, I thought I made the comment several times to pay attention because with not having her skates under her for a while and being able to get into maybe you to see how the hands are going to catch up at some point, maybe her speed's not there. So you got to pay attention to her hockey IQ and where she goes on the off play and where does she go, you know, when the, in situational. And I thought she excelled at every level of that. But what she did... As a finale, was something that I didn't think I'd ever see in my life in a tournament in Pittsburgh, let alone the first one from a player who really hadn't played in over 18 months. Go ahead, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> that move that I mean, she made to win the game with seven seconds left. Six, actually, but I'll get it. Well, okay, it was 6.7 seconds on the clock. Actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So like you look at it, like Sports Center top three, you know, top three of the top ten. You don't get to see that ever. You know, women's no. hockey, women's collegiate hockey. That's how impressive the move was. I just got done telling Kaz Monchek, who was helping us out, you know, helped us out that weekend. Actually, did the championship game and get get a good job with it. I just got done walking him through the rules of, hey, you're not supposed to cheer in the press box. You're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to show level of professionalism. You know, go through the, the steps and everything. Teach somebody. And here I am, both arms in the air, yelling, oh, my, she didn't just do that. And a shot like that doesn't happen every day. And congratulations to her. Um, that's, a, that's a dead horse that we're going to beat for a while because that, that puts itself in the moments of Robert Morris history. That's oh, absolutely, and that was that's just not something special for the school. That's her first career NCAA goal. Yes, and it looked like that. I mean, it, it comes down sometimes with these transfers. It, it comes down to a numbers game on why people leave certain schools or certain situations. But uh, we don't know the reasoning for why she left. We don't, and I don't really, you know, truthfully, I don't care to. That that's theirs. That's their reason. They make it public. That's up to them to decide that they want to say, you know, this is why I left. And I really don't care. They're here now. They're oh, here absolutely. now. Oh, absolutely. And we couldn't be happier to have her. But God, just Wisconsin probably kicking themselves after that. Well, one. that was that other moment of <laughs> Wisconsin being, you know, on the sidelines and celebrating with her. That was moments you don't get to have ever. And no, and it was that was something truly like. Disney movie esque. Yeah, that that showed no no bad blood. 
no like whatever happened happened. So, but anyway, we're gonna move on. Championship game, and let's look at it this way: an overtime thriller between number three Northeastern and number one Wisconsin. Thoughts on that game? I honestly thought Northeastern should have won that game, but it was also one of those games where both teams were just playing a plus game where you don't you don't really want to see either team lose. You just want to keep watching this game unfold. And I, I thought uh, there's a reason that uh, Aaron Frankel was the, the MVP of the tournament. It showed in that game. Yes. Plus Northeastern's ability to come back, I think it was twice. I, I actually down. finished my article up from the first game and went down because I wanted to take pictures of that second game. I felt like we needed an additional camera down there because of how well that game was being played by Northeastern in the third. I jumped into their offensive zone and caught uh, a celebration pick of that third of that third goal by Northeastern. Uh, the game tire. The game tire of her celebrating. I shot right through when she was shooting, so I actually want to get that up and running here soon. But... uh. The, uh, you know, just watching that, then being down there for the overtime goal and all that stuff. You, you don't get to see that. That Like, we got Frozen 4 level competition at the UPMC Olympia Sports Complex. At 100%. And, I mean, who's to say that any of these teams can't end up back there? I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just how good this was. Yeah. And, you know, we got a lot going on with this in the area, and it's beautiful and beautiful. Now, I'm going to pose it to you. Seeing how that team... Oh, let, let me let me backtrack. I said something I wanted to touch on something. I'm going to touch on it now. I thought, from a standpoint of somebody who's watched five years or so of this squad and have heard the stories of how the, you know, the teams prior and players prior have played, I thought this was the best showing for Emily Curlett in the entire last couple years. Big stage, you know, pressure's on. And I remember watching her two seasons ago at, up at uh, up at Harbor Center after she got, I believe she got uh, beat by Tankskinen, uh for that championship up there. And, she, you know, that's whenever the route by Mercyhurst started. And I re- it was her freshman year, and I remember watching watching her reaction. And I was like, if she see how she bounces back from this, and it goes, and she has continued to impress every year as we continue. And this weekend, this tournament ha- was basically the national coming out party for for uh, Emily Carlett. Like she's on the match now. If there weren't eyes on her already, there is now. That that's for certain. Not just locally, nationally at this point. Like that is something that you that is. High-level talent, the way she was playing on the back check, the way she was playing in her own zone, the way she was playing in the offensive zone. She was showing them exactly why she ha- she leads the NCAA in power play goal. She can shoot from the top of the crease. She was sneaking down to the lower end of the crease. She was wrecking havoc inside the circles. That's the type of stuff you don't see anywhere. Not, not often. So, yeah, I thought yeah. that was the season. Now, now I'll, after I saying that, I'll leave it to you. What do you think is the outlook for the remainder of the season after seeing what you got from a very small sample size with the with the new transfer, the way the team grew to the uh, the level of competition at that tournament? What do you have? 
to to me this this answered all of your questions that you may or may not have had about them moving into this second half of the season and it also brings up balance i i think that this is a team that is now capable of being able to roll three or four lines and play all of their pairs and be able to get decent production out of everybody yeah and and this this is a team that looks like it has filled its holes that they were missing from teams that probably should have won the, the CHA in years past, or it definitely could have on paper. But uh, whether it's good recruiting or finally coming together or finally just all, everybody buying into the system, there's many things that could lead to this. But if this is what we're going to continue to see, what what's the limit for this team? Because I don't think there is any. You know, point. and it could look like it could sound like pandering. It could sound like you know fanboy optimism from me, from you, from everybody. But you look over the last decade, and you're talking. Everybody's like, "Oh, end of the decade challenge, end of the decade challenge." This franchise created its you know a, a, an actual like identity. Like it's now five straight year. What four? This could be could be. This is three straight years of the CHA finals with the CHA championship involved. This could be year four if they make it that far. Um, they have put, you know, 2012, the championship year then. They, they put together all these winning seasons, all these wonderful, you know, accolades that players building on. And I say this with the men's side, too. You build on top of the build and you continue to grow. The regular season championship. Yeah. The men's team being almost actually at the bottom of Atlanta Coffee standings at and points in the year last year to play AIC to overtime, and AIC goes and then beats the number one season. The and that NCAA was their Jordan. first. And that was their first year in four years that they weren't in the AH the AHC finals or the AHA yeah. finals. Now, so you look at that. That's also the case. There's an NCAA bid on their record too in the last in the last ten years. So 2014, you know, I believe was the bid. yeah 2014 was the bid year. Yeah. So like you look at that and you say. Wow, this is what these two programs are doing. And, you know, to have this tournament here for the men to, you know, still have their game at Penn State. Of course, you know, you hear the horror stories about what happened with the Three Rivers Classic. Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows why that went downtown, why that happened. No, it's not happening, but they're still playing games at PPG. So, and that was, they said, I think that the Penguins released the detail. It's. Their I'm first one, it's their ten straight years at PPG for the, the Robert Morris men. Ten straight years. I believe it was at the first one when they played RIT. I think that was that first game. I'm not sure. It wasn't the Miami game? Oh, no, it was the Miami game. I apologize. I was at the yeah, RIT the game that was the around the winter classic, which was maybe year two. So, but. No, that was, um. I want to say that was Niagara, and they played them outdoors, and they both had special jerseys for no, that. No, 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 that was three years ago. I'm talking way back to the Winter Classic. We're talking the 2010, to 2010 Winter Classic. Winter Classic to 2011. I was, I was out for that one. I was at that game. I was at the one they played at PPG in that hockey showcase, I believe. Oh, yeah, back when it was called Pittsburgh Hockey Showcase. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I, like, it's all coming back. Yeah, yeah Wilkes-Barre played here, and all that stuff was involved on it. But we'll use that as the segue here. To the Robert Morris men, <laughs> and um, uh, that's, a, that's a good segue because I mean those are some pretty iconic moments in that in the team's history. Yeah, but then you talk about those iconic moments. You talk about uh, 
I, I always come back to this because it's one of the ones that always sticks out in my mind. Players that don't, you know, that get the opportunity there. Maybe they're not the guy, big guys on the score sheet. Maybe they're not, uh, you know, they're they're not great, you know, score. You know, they're not there all the time, but they give everything that they have. And you know, the, from the overtime winners and all that other stuff, and you just you see the saves from goaltenders being called up, and you get, still continue with Lubas Meyer playing like he is right now, Kapelmaster coming in and playing like he was. I remember, you know, Dalton Isaac and. Terry Schaefer playing in that, those situations, getting opportunities. Pickle coming in and playing like he did whenever he had the opportunity. But you, you, you remember uh, the names. You remember the faces. And it's just one of those things that, you know, they put the all-tournament. They said they're all-time, all-decade team out there on the all-decade lineup, I believe they refer to it from their website. And you saw the names, and you're like, I remember all those names. But then you look at it again, and you're like, wait a minute. The ninety percent of those players are from the class of sixteen or later, and a lot of them played. Or I don't think there's any current squad members on there. Are there like there is Luke, Luke Lynch made that squad, made the squad on that one. It was the all twenty eights line with Adam Brace and Matt Cope. Matt Cope, one, uh, one of my favorite pictures I ever took was him scoring against uh, UMass Lowell. I took a picture. Uh, it was from ice level at PPG. It was like, yeah. I, I mean, that, how many of those guys? Obviously, not Luke Lynch because he's still in school. But how many of those guys went pro? I'm pretty sure all of them. Every single player on that lineup. Every single one of them went pro. Yeah. Every single one of them in that lineup at least played or dressed for a professional game. I believe. I don't know if yeah. Isaac signed somewhere or not. He did. He has. But he three career ECHL games, and I think mm-hmm. he played in one of them. But I think he, you know, injuries and everything were what was his downfall. He had the talent, and that, that was his professional downfall as well. Yeah, he, he had a ta- he had the talent, but guys like Levins who were still out there, Ferguson who's still fighting his way up in the, in the uh, from the ECH, you know, from the ECHL, the ACH, the AHL, all that. He, he had a call up uh, for from Newfoundland to Toronto this yeah. year. I think he played three games, and now he's back in the ECHL. But Daniel Evans is the third leading scorer in all of the ECHL right now. <laughs> yeah, those type of stories, with, you know. With Brampton, I think also also known as RMU Ontario, because it seems like everybody from RMU signs with Brampton. But uh, Ray played. That's a, that's a yeah, John Ray time. played professionally. When now he's an official. Um. Yeah, he played in the SPHL, and yeah. he did play in the ECHL as well. Yeah, so we. I think the the, the joke was that. I think uh, it wasn't a joke. Okay, that that that'll be the tough say. I don't want to hear about the fact that I said it this way, but I believe that the uh, the one comment that was made is that he, you know, we're pumping out awesome, awesome, awesome talent, but the first professional to make it to the NHL was a referee. <laughs> so we have and we have three of them make it there, and we have Blandino, three of them. Yeah. and uh, I don't think John Ray is up there yet, but I think he's the AHL now. I think John Ray is in the AHL. He's on the AHL list. But I'm saying, like, you know, you see them, you know, you see this talent and everything, and we're getting closer, and you're getting the opportunity to see these players come up and play phenomenal hockey, and, you know, they're doing good things in the leagues and what they do with their careers whenever they're out, you know, when they come out of the league. So, you know, when they come off out of college, they're doing things with their lives. They're doing awesome things. And that, that's the stuff you have to look for, and that's, that's the stuff you think, because what was it? They, they're talking about these players are coming out with great, Grade point averages and everything like their their studies are there. 
You yeah, know? I'm pretty sure Robert Morris actually had the best statistical or a best academic uh, record out of the entire conference for about a yeah. decade now. Yeah. So you look both, at that. Both men and women, which is so, that's awesome. But the idea of student athlete is, is truly alive there because uh, it's not like uh, in, I'm not going to call football out here as a, as a particular, but some, some football and basketball players go to school for a year and they just, they just leave. Yeah, you know, but these are true student athletes who have very balanced skill sets. Both and hell, um, some of them graduate in three years. A lot of them do. I mean, yeah. look at uh, so look at Frank. But Scott. we're we're I getting mean, we're getting a little bit off topic here, and we're trying to get we're getting a little bit, you know, Robert Morris fanboyish centric, which I'm trying not to do as much. But at the same time, with us, it's kind of hard not to because you, you know it, we're, it's, we're, it's both ingrained, we're both ingrained. We're both ingrained. We're both ingrained in it. So, but when we come down to talk about the hockey and everything, these athletes go out there and do amazing things, and then they grow and they want to do things, and that's a good thing to see, and that's what you want. Like I always say, and this is why you you mentioned basketball, you mentioned football. There's one thing that I've always maintained truth about college. You go to college so that you get develop the skills to get a good job. If you can get land a good job, after one or two years in college, which is a professional athlete, that's, that's, then successful, right there. that's, that's a successful thing. You know, you want to leave after three years and go pro? Leave after three years and go pro. Your whole idea is to go get a job after you're done. You know, whenever you retire, you can always go back. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it is. I mean, look at Larry Fitzgerald, for yeah. example. I know he's kind of, uh, he doesn't really have a lot to do with this pro, uh, podcast, but he's on... Every single Instagram I've ever seen, out of ever seen of Arizona State University. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you get an opportunity there and you take it. Anyway, we need to move on. We need to stop this stuff. Robert Morris, down to Flood City. Wasn't I mean, exactly this, there. The half here. Well, uh, w- women are at RIT this weekend. JC is seven points away from the all-time scoring record, so that's that's within reach this this, this weekend. Um, and the men are at Penn, or the men have Penn State at PPG. We'll be there. It's going to be a wild time. As long as Jay doesn't go off on Friday night, I'll be at PPG on Saturday. If she goes off on Friday night, I'll be in RIT on Saturday. Um, so anyway, I, let's move along. I Robert, tried to make both work. It's not possible. Robert it's, Morris it's, men. Uh, anybody else? Matt, 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 Matt. Robert Morris men <laughs> at PPG this weekend. Penn State. They played Penn State real well last time they faced them. Only lost by one. Only lost by one. Uh, Robert Morris, a little, a little beat up coming into this, but seemed like they, uh, they had a fun time. They, you know, they got a little bit of their momentum. I won't say they got their momentum back on Saturday, but they had a, you know, they were they faced a little adversity in a team from the junior level, from the sorry, the university level in in Canada. And a really good turnout from the people in Johnstown, by what I heard. They had about 2,400, 2,500 oh, people it. there. Loved every second of it. That's a, that's a small rink there. And they were able to get a lot of people into that rink to, for that game. You got the homecoming, of course, of the three players that played for the Johnstown Tomahawks. Uh, Luke Lynch, Cam Haybear, and Roman Kramer. And you get that, you know, that's the type of stuff that you build upon. That's what you want to see. And these players are... You know, they get to go back to their place where they were they were trained and played so many years, and it was good to give back. 
but it was also good for the program to move and expand their footprint of people because Johnstown, I don't know if people know a lot about this, from where I'm at, which is in a manor, Pennsylvania, or North Huntington Township, Irwin, whatever you want to refer to where I'm at about, is 50 miles from, from Johnstown as it's driving. I am, from, I am 50 miles from Moon Township whenever I go to cover a game. So you want to add those two up? You're expanding your footprint now, and that's, that's a great thing for Robert Morris to do and you know, expand that fan base, get to know who's where. Because it's, it's not a short trip. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's, a, it's definitely one that's worth it to anybody that wants to do it. Slapshot Museum, I always say it. Slapshot Museum, it's, it's a very intricate rink. It's a very intimate rink. You have the awesome, you get all the history. You walk in there, you look around, you're like, wow, they shot a scene there. Oh, wow, they shot a scene there. You know, the scene where they were uh, where they were coming in after Slapshot, whenever they were coming in during for the uh, play-in game where they had to make the playoffs, Oglethorpe, all that, the room that they came in, that they opened up the gates and everybody came in was actually the Zamboni entrance. Like, you see things like that and you're like, oh, man. That is awesome, like just because you can just see it and tell, like the the door where he falls down the staircase. <laughs> you can see that door. That door's still there. You had to guess which one it is, but it's still there. It's an awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure all that stuff is is still there. It's all original. You know, it's not original, but it's still. You know, it's probably a new door there. But I mean, <laughs> we're talking fifty years, almost fifty years now. But, uh, Plus they got the Craft Hockeyville thing going from a couple years Kraft ago. Craft Hockeyville <laughs> upgraded that a lot. The food is phenomenal. I don't, if you ever get a chance to go down to Rain's Barbecue down, that's inside the rink, it's phenomenal. If, if you are a beauty, that is, that is a great place. It's a I great rink. The, uh, the pulled pork nachos, they mm -hmm. were not bad at all. They, and it's well-priced, and they do a good job. Free parking, can't complain. But... Oh, Okay, we're, we're, we, you and I, we need to stop this because we get off topic all the time. And everybody's probably like, why are they talking about now? But I mean, did you ever listen to the fan? You talk about me eating food. You, you, you start we start talking about food, my mouth's watering. Uh, yeah, well, I need to talk about that in a little bit. But okay, anyway, we move along. Robert Morris men, Penn State. It's going to be an interesting. They're a little bit beat up going into this. Hopefully they're getting a little healthier. I'm not sure what, what's going to happen. I know they ended the re the first half with another possible Nick Jenny injury, but another month off for players, and you might have your lineup back. Kappelmaster didn't play this past Saturday, by what I gathered. So he did not. So it was uh, an equal split from the goaltenders, I believe, is what okay. I was told. I was not at that game, but I was I was told it was an equal split between uh, Livesmeyer and Reeseeper. Okay. So, I would say that you, you might possibly get, if you get them back, and you get a possibility, you know, you get Tyler Love, who's now got a couple weeks of practice under his belt with the team, plus an exhibition game. And, and I heard he looked phenomenal at that Johnstown exhibition game. He was the player to watch. He has everything to event. gain and nothing to lose at this point, if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. So, he's, he's coming in early. He's losing a half year of his eligibility to do so. I believe he just loses the whole year. I believe he just burns the whole year. Well, he's going to play the half a year of it. So he's going to. Yeah. This is his freshman year. He'll he'll be a sophomore starting next year. 
but I'm referring right. to that. But right. he has nothing nothing to lose and everything to gain here. And Penn State, <laughs> that's a strong program right now. You can't deny number what's going on with Penn State. Penn State. Huh? They are number six in the USA Hockey Pool right now. If you want to come out in the second half and make a statement, both the men and the women have that opportunity to do so right now. Absolutely. Penn and State, the women yeah. are done without a conference. It's all the conference from here on out. It's all the. Well, this is it for the, the men, too. I believe this is it for the oh, men, men, too. Oh, the men, too, yes. This should be no, it for Arizona the, State. No, Arizona State. I apologize. They're independent. I completely forgot about them coming up. They are coming up, though, in a couple weeks. Uh, but, I, I, I have a feeling they're going to be independent for a while, to be honest. We'll, we'll talk about that at a later date. <laughs> Wrong podcast. Well, we'll we, we should got, have we a different gotta, podcast. We should have a whole other podcast for that. But right now, i got to focus on what we got in hand. We've already gone 35 minutes, and we're talking still about Robert Morris. So we might have just a straight 35-minute Robert Morris podcast again. Um, anyway, let's roll. So Penn State coming to town. Number six in yeah. the nation. What's going through your head thinking about this Robert Morris squad and Penn State coming to face them? Well, you look at how close they played them the last time in Hockey Valley. I mean, what's to say that uh, they can't win this game? I don't think there's anybody that – I think the mindset from the from the team standpoint is you know what you had from the first game. You, you know how much far you've come at this point. You're beat up a little bit, so what? You're going to go in there and – play the best the absolute best that they've played this year and they're they could possibly win this game but i i truly believe that uh playing universal playing there is is going to lead to them winning this game and you know it's uh you know it's always rough coming to ppg especially this time of year and you know, all the penn state fans like to travel and you got a lot of local penn state fans so it's going to be a pro penn state crowd out there uh, it Robert always Morris, is. It always is. So Robert Morris has got a little bit more than that, but they've got, you know, they're going to have the probably have the band, and they're probably going to have everything that's involved with a Robert Morris game involved. And you look at it, and on paper, yeah, it's a little bit. It's an up. It's a semi down year, but at the same time, they're improving as they continue to move along in the season. You're going to hit road. You're you know, and I think the big thing you got to remember. The freshmen, no longer freshmen. They're, they're college hockey players. And, and they are, and it's time to show what you can do at the collegiate level. And what better than bringing number six into town than showing what you can do? Because you flipped to the other side, like you said, with the women's side. You brought number one, and they showed what they had there, too. So opp- opportunity is there for the Robert Morris men this week at, weekend at, Penn, at the PPG Paints Arena when Penn State comes to play the Colonials at 7 p.m. Um, all right, so before we flip it around, I have one small thing that I wanted to discuss with you about. You, of course, probably all heard it during our bump here, uh, the Never Give Up radio panel discussion with Liam Cavanaugh, of course, putting that together once again this year, and we are very lucky to have him back with the, the women's squad. Um, I told everybody my story about you know, mental health and you know, all the stuff going on. Uh, in my life and things that have gone on, so it's a very near and dear thing to me. But it's just a great. Everybody is buying into this uh, program, and it's amazing. And I'm sad that I'm going to miss it once again this year. 
but I'll be there for the entire weekend of coverage for that for the two games for the mental health stigma and the stigma weekend. And please, I believe it's also skate with the Colonials. It is skate with the Colonials too, so he's going to tell you that. But what's your favorite part of this weekend, Matt? The uh, the mental health weekend or yeah. skate with the Colonials? The ma- the mental health weekend. I mean, obviously, I think- skate with the Colonials is always fun, and I I'm excited to get my skates out again. But for the final time this year, but uh, you know, for, for for me personally, and this might seem like a bit of a goofy or like the PC answer, but it's one hundred percent about the message and that uh, knowing that other people care, there will always be other people that care, and that uh, we're we're no longer in an age where you have to hide things. We're in an age where everybody should feel comfortable about taking care of themselves. And that's, uh, that's me. That message is the most important part of this weekend. Absolutely. And, uh, that's, I, I continue to like try to, uh, extrude that whenever I'm in my, you know, through these podcasts and everything, try to like explain, you know, it's not all just about the hockey. It's about growing as an individual. It's about growing, but you always, you have people who don't have that, ability sometimes or don't understand things like it's hard to understand we're humans we're complex machines we don't have the ability to say well this is what's wrong so this is how you fix it no that doesn't always happen for everybody it, it takes a lot you know that humans aren't a computer they're just completely different yeah we're, we're, you know you can think that you have all the answers but there's always going to be a change here and there's something's going to happen there and it, what it comes down to is Everybody just has to be there for everybody when it comes down to it. And, you know, to talk and just be able to explain, you know, you're having a bad time. Something's happening in your life. You know, things aren't going your way. Talking about it makes you feel so much better. And I've experienced that personally at once this year even. I've had a lot of trouble with a couple things going on. And, you know, it's really huge that, you know, they're putting on this event and, you know, as big as it is, it is the right message, and it's exactly what you want to see and have, uh, you know, it's all about. It's what it's all about, and the student-athletes buying into it and being and being so proactive on a lot of this stuff. And another one, I guess one of their, uh, what, I guess what would you call her, Emily? She's one of their, uh, she is part of it. She's like, she's very it's, big. I want to say brand ambassador. Yeah. But yeah. Ambassador. I believe that is the term. They called her the embat One of her, one of their ambassadors is Emily Curlett. And athlete ambassador. there it is. It. There it is. And it's huge. It's a great, you know, it, you just see that it's bigger than the game at this point. You're yeah. There's a hockey game involved in it, but the whole message around it, the specialty helm, the, the goalie helmet coming back and, all that other stuff. There's going to be two this year, not one. There's going to be two. Oh, boy. So. That, what, a, what, a, what a surprise. Sorry, I spoiled oh, that No, one. no. Why would you say that if there were two? If they did, Were they supposed to know that there were two? I think so. Okay, good. Then I won't I won't cut it, but we'll be fine. Um, by this time, anyway, it doesn't matter. They'll have everything they need to detailed. Um, I mean, they've been teasing it on Instagram for a long period yeah, of time. So. Yeah, so. I think they'll be. You know what? It doesn't matter. The secrets don't matter. The message does. So. Yeah. Um, then they're selling jerseys and everything. Huh? I'm assuming you're cutting some of this. No. Oh, okay. 
You think I'm going to cut this? No, I didn't, I didn't know if you actually ever edited this or not. No, 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 no. I'm too lazy, sir. Uh, so we are <laughs> just straight live. You get it wrong. You and me, or you and me, we just go for it at this point. I think everybody appreciates that when it comes down to it, too. Is that we don't? Oh, I think that's the thing. So that's the thing. Is if you start getting cut, you know, you start cutting this stuff, then where's it coming from? You're just now another studio recording. You make mistakes. Listen, you're humans. Like uh, this, all but it'll all tie in. We're humans. We make mistakes. It, yeah, it all. Uh, it all tied back. I have an opportunity to come in here and edit and my, edit my mistakes out and change it. I'm not going to do it because that's going to take the integrity of this podcast. Okay. So we've gone too far. We need you to do a real quick update on everything else because I need to get you out of here within the next two and a half minutes. All right, around the world in two and a half minutes. Do it. Because I shuffle through my notes here because I still haven't changed the first page. You have now two hours and 25 seconds. Two minutes and 25 seconds. All right, so let's uh, let's start with Erie here. Erie uh, recently um, had Jamie Drysdale participate for Team Canada in the World Juniors. Okay. Which they beat Russia, and uh, he's a key part of that. So, congratulations, Jamie, on winning the gold. Also, the Otters uh, traded for a bunch of draft picks for Swiss forward uh, Kian Sopa. He will be in the lineup this Friday, which is Erie's Hockey Fight Cancer Game. They got purple jerseys. They're sweet. Bid on them. They're on the internet. Um, in the last couple games for Erie here, let's see here, we got um, January the 2nd. They beat the number one team in the OHL five to nothing uh, with a fifty sh- save shutout for Daniel Murphy. January third, they beat Kingston um, Frontiac or okay. Frontiac Frontiac uh, three, and uh, that's it for Erie. So let's move on. Oh, they are currently sitting at eighth place in the Western Conference. So uh, they got they got some uh, some rebounding to do here in the second half, but they're off to a good start. Uh, this weekend, they got Niagara on Friday for Hockey Fight Cancer. And uh, Sunday, they got Sarnia, both at home. Uh, Sarnia is a 2 p.m. start, and the Friday game is 7.05. Moving on to Johnstown. Johnstown has not started yet the second half of the year, but okay. uh, they they are home the 10th and the 11th, both against Jamestown. Lovermore's recruit uh, Chad West is playing in that game. He'll be in that. And let's talk about Christian Gorjak real quick, a local kid. He's on Jeanette Johnstown. and Hemfield, Hemfield, Hemfield. I'll say it three times because that's just where I'm from, and I'll just be a homer on that one. Go ahead. Committed to Niagara University, so we'll be seeing him at the island. Mm-hmm. Um, leads the NAHL in points. He's the leading scorer in the league. Uh, he's also a former X-Mark star. Yeah. S. Mark Starr, Christian Gorshak, Hempfield, you know, Hempfield alum. 17 goals, 25 assists, 42 points. He's averaging 1.25 points a game in 35 games for the Tomahawks. And I believe his NTA commitment year starts next year. Yeah. He was a couple years. He sat on, he did it. This is the way he did that in Johnstown was the way he wanted to do it. He didn't get to see a lot of time his first couple years. And then he got, you know, then he continued to get more and more opportunities. And now you see whether that's paying off. And now he's heading into the uh, Division One level. Absolutely. And uh, Niagara building themselves a bit of a program. I mean, 
we'll, we're not going to go back into the Robert Morris loop. We almost no, went there. No, uh, no, we but, can uh, save something for next time. Yeah, that's that, that's very true here. But uh, Johnstown is in second place in the East, still trailing those pesky New York Titans or I'm sorry, New Jersey Titans. Mm-hmm. Don't know where New York Titans came from. Um, let's see here. All right, let's move on to Wheeling real quick. Wheeling has this weekend they play a, another three in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Saturday is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles night. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just getting stranger and stranger with us. We got SpongeBob last year, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it ends, do you have any idea? But uh, so I was at the New Year's Eve game. They beat Norfolk 6 to 1. Then January 3rd, they started the year with a banger. They won in overtime. Brandon Hawkins with the game winner over Cincinnati. Two to one. Then they lost the exact next day to Cincinnati four to nothing, and they lost eight to one on the fifth to the Toledo Walleye. Not a great wow. start to the year, but uh, they'll rebound. Th- that team, if you look at it right now, there's so many players on that squad that are AHL contracts playing in the ECHL. It's, it's more of like a a uh, an AHL team than the ECHL team. I highly recommend going checking checking them out because. Uh, as we all know how injured the Penguins get, those guys aren't going to be there much longer if uh, that keeps up. Correct. So, All right. And they won't be there. Okay. And uh, we, got, Go. we got Youngstown real quick here. Hurry up. <laughs> Youngstown um, played the third. They beat the Madison Capitals 3-2. to two. And then in Trevor Kuntar's first return game from Team USA, he scored a hat trick in that game, the game winner being the third goal. And uh, on the fifth, they lost to Madison three to two. And this weekend, they got Team USA U seventeen for two games, and that is it for Youngstown. Wow! They are currently in fourth place in the East, so they got the last playoff spot, despite being a twelve and seventeen team. Wow! Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. Good to hear from you again. Um, I'm gonna move along and have to finish up the last twelve minutes of my program that I have left. So, thank you so much, sir. I'll talk to you I later. I mean, we could go to the end. We could, but I have other things to cover that you have no thing that you don't know what I'm talking about. That, that's very true. You I, don't know anything about high school uh, hockey, and I have to talk high school hockey, so this might be a longer podcast. That was Matt Mamros. Oh, that was I Matt. Ma- no, 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 no. That was Matt Mamros. I'm Brian Mitchell. We'll be right back. Matt's always a hard person to get off of the phone whenever we start talking hockey we keep going and we go and we go and we go and we're excited for this weekend and a lot going on into collegiate level um like i said not a lot going on the pihl so we don't have too much going on there so i actually have something i need to drop in after we're done here and i'm going to end with it it is ed major's acha update from the halftime i apologize to ed i didn't get a chance to put it on on the last one he was supposed to have his own i'm just going to play it here here we go the acha update for the halftime from ed major Hey there, Berg Hockey fans. Welcome to your ACHA recap. Uh, This one isn't going to just be recapping the week that was. It'll be recapping the the half season that was, uh, if you you will. Let's start at the very top of the standings. Have the Pitt Panthers sitting at 16-1 overall, 6-1 in conference play. Some of their uh, key wins over that first half, they've... They had... They traveled up to Kent State to open the season 2-0, and came, went down to play Navy, defeated them in two games. 
defeated Alabama at home into at Alpha Ice Complex in two games after that. So they started the season 6-0. and Their only loss is a game against Slippery Rock that was at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Center. That was a 6-5 to loss. So it was a one-goal loss on the road. So I, I'm not. I'm really not even inclined to say that's an. That's a. That's an. Uh, that's an image. Uh, I. I don't know the word I'm looking for here. I'm, I'm not inclined to to see that as much of an issue for the Panthers, to perhaps, run the gauntlet the, the rest of this season. We'll see what they can do in the second half. They've played half of their conference schedule. Um, they were supposed to play one more game over half, but that December 6th game against John Carroll got postponed due to a lack of power at Alpha Ice Complex. I will, of course, let you guys know as soon as I know when that game will be rescheduled. And, of course, if you are the if you are affiliated with the Pitt Panthers or the John Carroll Blue Streaks hockey programs and you know when that game might be rescheduled, reach out to me at Twitter at EdMajorPhoto or my by email at EdwardMajorPhotography at gmail.com. Next team down in the standings, Robert Morris tied with the Pitt Panthers at 6-1 and one in conference play. They're 16-6-1 and one overall. They've they're not ranked in the top fourteen in the top twenty-five like the Pitt Panthers are, who are ranked number fourteen, by the way. But they have quite a record to 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 boast in an attempt to be ranked. They're one oh and one at Alabama. They travel down to Alabama. They defeated them six to four, and they fell, I believe, four to three in a shootout. They they traveled up to Buffalo, took down the Bulls in two games. And they had a home-and-home series against Kent State where they took a shootout win and an overtime win against the Golden Flashes. So Robert Morris really really making a case to be ranked, really staying on the Pitt Panthers' heels and trying to stay... trying to stay... trying to stay on their heels too. IUP, the IUP Hawks, third place, one point behind RMU. They're 5-2-1 and one in conference play. They have 11 points to RMU and Pitt's 12 points each. IUP Hawks 9-5-1 overall. Uh, they had a seven-game win streak from October 4th to November 8th, which included two quality wins, 5-4 and 6-4 over the Alabama Crimson Tide. Who are always who are always usually ranked up in the top twenty-five. So the Hawks trying to push the Panthers and the Colonials for a first-round bye in the conference, in the conference spot or in the conference tournament. They want one of those two top spots because the number one and two teams get a bye, and the third-place team plays the sixth-place team, fourth and fifth-place play, and then the winners of those play the top two. So IUP looking to push themselves into a t- into a bye like they had last year. They took the number one seed. The Duquesne Dukes took the number two seed. So IUP sitting there in third place. You have the John Carroll Blue Streaks in fourth place. They have a conference record of four and five. And I, I'm not quite sure if they're really going to be able to push much farther because every game that they've won, every conference game they've won, they followed up. They followed up with a loss, so they're really going back and forth between win loss, win loss, win loss. So they 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 fe- they they defeated the Mercyhurst Lakers to end the to end the season. So they ended or they end the first half of the season. So they ended that on a high note. 
but they're really going to have to start stringing wins together if they want to be chasing IUP. They're three points behind the Hawks right now. Fortunately for them, they're also three points ahead of the two fifth-place teams, the teams that are tied for fifth, the Slipper Rock Pride and the West Virginia Mountaineers. Of course, Slipper Rock has only played four conference games. They're 2-1-1. One, and one. They're 5-8-2 and two overall. West Virginia is 2-5-1, 7-11-2 overall. So West Virginia has four more conference losses than the Slipper Rock Pride. So West Virginia really going to have to be start stringing wins together, just like John Carroll. They don't have as much time left. They don't have as many games left as Flipper Rock does to be chasing those top three, to be chasing Pitt, RMU, IUP. But if they can... But if they can continue using local Thomas Jefferson product Hayden Hinnemeyer, who currently leads the team in points in his freshman season, if they can use him a little more and keep him and keep him productive, they just might be able to sneak into the playoffs. They've got that number six spot right now. The two teams on the outside of the playoffs looking in, one of which uh, made the made that second seed last season, got the first round by the Duquesne Dukes. They had a 1-2 goaltending punch last year between senior Alex Taylor and freshman Wade Conlon. The two of them would split time in net back and forth. You'd have back-to-back games Friday and Saturday where you'd have Taylor in in on Friday, Conlon in on Saturday. So they had a 1-2 goaltending punch. They had excellent scorers between Sean Lloyd, uh, offensive-minded defenseman Manny Mancha, who could score at will, basically. But Duquesne has struggled this year. They, For a while, they've only had one goaltender on their roster. They, it started as Wade Conlon. They started dressing Conlon and Alex Nevaire of another a freshman. Wade Conlon, I, I don't know this for sure, don't quote me, but I believe he was dismissed from the team, I think stemming from an issue at the conclusion of the first game of, a, of the two-game set against George Mason University. I, I don't know that for sure, but all I all all I know is there was an altercation at the end of that game, and when I pressed the coaching staff about the status of Wade Conlon, I got a no comment back. So they were playing with one goaltender, Alex Neverev, after that for a while, before the final two games, I believe at Buffalo, the Dukes brought back Alex Taylor, a senior, for his for a fifth year in the ACHA. You have five years of eligibility. So they've been forced to bring him kind of out of retirement, per se, to, to help solve some of their inconsistent goaltending. Although Neverev has been playing well, very well. He shut out the Pitt Panthers in the first and third periods of the City game. Allowed four goals in the second period. A couple of those I wouldn't fault him for, but that ended up being the difference. But if you can shut out a, a team like the Pitt Panthers two periods out of three, I'd say you're doing pretty well. But they just need to shore up that goaltending and some of that defense to put some wins together. They're 2-7 and seven in conference play right now. So they've played, they only have five conference games remaining, so they don't have a lot of time to push into a playoff spot. But they can really, they're only one point behind West Virginia, so they can really be chasing the Mountaineers for that final playoff spot. In that in that eighth spot, the Mercyhurst Lakers are down at the bottom. They they finished down there at the end of last season. They're only two years removed from making the conference championship game against John Carroll two years ago when they hosted that tournament. 
But last year they missed out on the playoffs along with West Virginia. And this year now they're sitting at the bottom again. They're 1-5 and five in conference play. Their only win coming against the Duquesne Dukes. But that win came in a big way. That win, It was an 11-4 victory for the Lakers. It was on home ice at right before Thanksgiving break. So that that's what you needed. If you're the Lakers, you needed a win like that to try and get some momentum coming into the second half of the season. They've only played six conference games, so they've they have eight games left to play in, in versus conference opponents. So they have a chance as well. But they'll be chasing Duquesne, who's looking to get into a playoff spot. They're chasing West Virginia and Slippery Rock, who are in plus spots right now. They're they're trying to chase John Carroll, who's been a little inconsistent, but is otherwise up there. And, and then you've got Pitt, Robert Morris, and IUP, who are the top three, who probably won't be caught. They'll probably be those three, maybe not necessarily in that order at the end of the season, but those three, I think, will be up at the top. So uh, that's your ACHA recap for the first half of the season that was. And if it's any indication of how the second half will go, it will be a doozy. Some of the some of the games to look forward to. You have Pitt ending the season on February twenty second against the Ohio Bobcats, who are currently ranked number eleven. So if Pitt can stay ranked number fourteen or somewhere around there, you're going to have a top fifteen matchup down in Athens, Georgia, between the Panthers and the Bobcats. Uh, I, I'm going to try to see if I can attend that game, if that's the case, because that's going to be an exciting one. But what you also have is you'll have a rematch of last year's conference championship game between Robert Morris and Slippery Rock. Again, Robert Morris defeated the Pride 8-7 to in overtime as the number 6 seed, the final seed in the tournament. They defeated them 8-7 to in overtime in the conference championship, so you better believe that game at the end is, is going to be a big one. That's on February 22nd as well. So if it's going to come down between to the two of them for, for, possibly, the, for possibly the number one seed or, or to get a first-round bye or something like that, you better believe I'm going to be there. I'm going to try to be there as well, so... Uh, the second half is going to be a little bit of a doozy here, if if the first half is any indication. But I'm excited. I love college hockey. I love Burke hockey. And so on that note, I'll send it over back to Mitch for, for any other Burke hockey updates. So Merry Christmas to all of you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever it is you guys are celebrating, I hope you have a very enjoyable holiday season and a happy new year. And I'll catch you on the other on the other side of the break with more Berg hockey. Remember, until then, I am Major Focus. Find me on Twitter at Ed Major Photo. Back to you, Mitch. Thanks again to Ed Major for always sending that in, and apologize to him for me not being able to do my job and put him in on the podcast the last couple podcasts. So he's updated, and we'll get there once again. I am Brian Mitchell. Thanks to Matt Mamros. Thanks to everybody involved with everything that we've got going on. I am Brian Mitchell. That was Matt Mamros. That was Ed Major. This is the PhD Podcast. I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.